the section of Luke that we have been in. So we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke for uh, almost a year now. Uh, we started at the end of November last year. Uh, and the section of Luke that we, we've been in has many references. And the, and the section that we're in today, again, has many references to time. Uh, last week we saw that there is going to be a time when Christ returns Right? He's going to come back as judge and as king. Uh, there will be a time for judgment. And when things are delayed, we often can get into the habit of thinking, surely there's going to be a little bit more time. But Jesus continues to point out the importance of time concerning these matters. Uh, since he is going to return, since he will return at a time that we do not expect, uh, it is important how we respond to uh, his return. And so our sermon is titled, Time for a Response. Turn with me to Luke 12. I'm going to read... Today's passage, Luke 12, starting in verse 49, all the way through 13:9, and then I'll pray for us. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I came to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how it consumes me until it is finished. Do you think that I came here? To bring peace on the earth. No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, right away you say, a storm is coming, and so it does. When the south wind is blowing, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why don't you know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the ruler, make an effort to settle with him on the way. Then he won't drag you before the judge, and the judge hands you over to the bailiff, and the bailiff throw you into prison. I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last cent. At that time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those 18 that the tower in Siloam fell, and on, fell on and killed, do you think they were more sinful than all these other people who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit. 
on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, Listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste the soil? But he replied to him, Sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will produce fruit next year. But if not, you can cut it down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and confess it is true again this week. We thank you for the warnings that are found here. We thank you for the comforts of the Savior that's been provided. I pray that you will work in us, Holy Spirit, to produce in us the response that you're calling us to. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first thing we're going to see in this text is that Jesus calls us to make a decision. Jesus calls us to make a decision. So if you remember last week, uh, if you were here, uh, we looked at Jesus returning as the judge and the king. And we saw that there were going to be blessings for the faithful. And there would be punishments for the unbelievers and the unfaithful. And this passage is going to pick this same theme up. Since judgment's coming, since Christ is going to return again, it's time to make a decision. It's time for a response. Now, the idea of judgment, of course, we mentioned this last week. I, I know it is unsettling uh, to consider uh, but it is a reality. And that's why it, the good news of the gospel is so important. Right? We, we don't need to think of God's judgment as uh, God sitting there with lightning bolts waiting to cast down fire on us in a sense of like, I've got you. I got, I'm, I'm punishing you now. Uh, we don't need to think of judgment in how we think of judgment and wrath from a worldly standpoint. But God is just and sin must be dealt with. And so the good news of the gospel is really good news because God sent his son and his son died for our sins so that if we would just believe in him, we would not face the wrath of God. And his son in his ministry repeatedly reminded the people that there's, it's time for a response now. Forgiveness is available now. Don't wait until it's too late. And so the first thing we'll be looking at is Jesus calls us to make a decision. Let's look at verses 49, and 50, 49 through 53. I came to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how it consumes me until it's finished. Do you think that I came here to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three, they will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. 
So Jesus referencing again, which that's what he talked about in the, the previous section in Luke 12, that he will return and there will be a judgment for, that people will face. And so he's referencing that coming judgment and he says how he wishes that the earth was already set ablaze with that judgment, which may seem odd thinking about Christ and the, and the love of God it's likely a reference to justice will finally come, right? That, that he looks forward to that day because God's justice and the next step of God's plan and his reign will finally come. And he looks forward to that. But first, he references, he has a baptism to undergo. This is a, a reference, of course, to his death. Uh, he will first, before God's judgment comes, he will go to the cross. He will take God's wrath. He will serve as a sacrifice for us because of our sins and accomplish everything that is necessary for us to be forgiven so that we won't have to face the judgment that is coming. And so he says, you know, I, first I must be consumed by a baptism, the image of death. With this, we also see that with this idea of time to make a decision, time to decide if you're going to follow Christ or not, and in that, he says, people will divide over this. There is going to be division among people because not everyone is going to choose to follow Christ. Some will reject the Savior, some will reject the salvation that's being provided for them. Even the closest of relationships will face strain. Even the closest of relationships can be divided so that even families are split and torn apart. Some of you may have family members who are strongly opposed to the faith. Uh, And that could cause tension. Some of you may have even lost relationships with people over the faith because people will reject Jesus. And of course, there are places in the world where that uh, division is so severe it's life-threatening, right? There are still people today that if they convert to Christianity in hostile regions, that they face death from their families over this. And Jesus says, this is the reality. It's a time for decision. And what that means is people are going to divide. Some are going to follow Jesus and some will not. That's why it's so important for the church to function like a family. That's why God speaks of us as a family. Because there could be divisions that come in our families over the faith. So then, he moves on. In verse 54 to 56, and says this, He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, right away you say, A storm is coming, and so it does. And when the south wind is blowing, you say, It's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why don't you know how to interpret this present Time. So he calls out the people, calls out the people of the crowd and says, look, you seem to have the appearance of being able to see what all is going on around you. 
You see a cloud coming in off of the, off of the sea, and you know, oh, uh, there's going to be a storm coming. And it, and it does, because you can see the sign and recognize what, what's happening. You feel the, the winds come up from the south across the desert, and you think, oh, it's going to get hot here. As those desert winds blow across, and that's what takes place. And then he says, but you're missing everything that God is doing. Jesus had been with them. Jesus had taught them. Jesus had healed them. He had talked about the forgiveness of sins. He had said that he was the promised Messiah. God had declared him as his own son. We've seen all of that as we've been walking through Luke. And he tells the crowds, you're missing it. You are missing what God is doing right in front of you. You can read the weather patterns and you don't see what is happening. And then in verse 57 to 59, kind of to sum up what he's been addressing concerning the time to make a decision. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the ruler, make an effort to settle with him on the way. Then he won't drag you before the judge, and the judge hands you over to the bailiff, and the bailiff throw you into prison. I tell you, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last cent. Time to make a decision. It's time to settle things. It's time to get right with God is what he's pointing to here. And he picks up the image of, of like debtor's prison. When you were indebted to someone, uh, if they wanted to finally call in that debt and you couldn't pay them, then they would take you to the ruler who would send you to the judge. And the judge, if you could not produce what was owed, you would be thrown into prison and you would stay there until someone came along and paid the debt for you. Until every cent had been paid. And so Jesus says, think about that. Wouldn't it be smart if you knew that this is what's coming, if you knew that there was a judgment coming against you, wouldn't it be wise to act now to settle the account? Wouldn't it be right to make things right now so that you don't have to face that judgment? And so for the crowds and for us today, that's the same Message that it's time for us to decide. Are we going to settle the account with God? Are we going to make things right with God by choosing, by deciding to follow Christ? It's time to make a decision. This reminded me as as I was preparing this week of the passage at the end of Joshua. Uh, The people of Israel had made it to the promised land. And Joshua calls them to a decision. He tells them in Joshua 24, verse 14, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves this day. I'm sorry, choose for yourselves today which you will worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. It was time to make a choice. Joshua and his family had made the choice. We will worship God alone. We will be faithful to God. And he told the people of Israel, it's time. Where are you going to fall? Are you going to continue to worship these false gods? Are you going to put them away from you and truly worship the Lord? And the same goes for us today. Are we going to worship God alone? Are we going to follow Jesus as our Savior or not? It's time to make a decision Each one of us has a decision to make. And so if you have never chosen to believe in Christ, to receive the forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus Christ, if you've never chosen to follow Him, today's the day for that. It's time to decide. But church, we too have a decision to make. Every day we have a decision to make of are we going to follow the Lord? Are we going to serve the Lord? Are we going to be faithful and serve Him faithfully each day? It's time for a decision. The second thing we'll see in this text is this. Jesus calls us to repentance. Jesus calls us to repentance. So to repent means to turn from. It carries with it the image of kind of changing course. And so in Christianity, that is a turning away from our sins and turning to God, turning to Christ and receiving uh, the forgiveness that's available by putting our faith in Him. So let's look at verses, uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. At that time... Some people came and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those 18 that the tower in Siloam fell on and killed... Do you think that they were more sinful than all the other people who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Now, we don't know any other details about these two historical events that were listed here. Uh, One that the people brought to Jesus and one that Jesus brought up. Uh, Both of them some type of tragedy. Uh, both of them uh, seeming to include the loss of life. So there was some Galileans making a sacrifice, and Pilate, it seems to have killed them, and their blood was mixed in with the sacrifices that they were making. Why the people felt they needed to come to Jesus to tell this, we don't know. It's likely because Christ has already said that He is the Messiah. He's the promised one. And the people of Israel knew that the Messiah was going to be a political leader. 
And they had some distorted expectations of what that looked like. So maybe the point of telling Jesus at this point was the hope that, hey, Pilate, like this representative of Rome, has done this horrific thing to these people who were sacrificing to God. Maybe the hope was that Christ was going to then rise up, which is what they were waiting for. They wanted the, the promised Messiah to come and overthrow the oppressive rule of Rome. Jesus, instead of addressing that and what their concern was about what Pilate had done, He uses this to teach them uh, and to address kind of a common misconception about tragic things when they, when they take place. Uh, because uh, in that time, but it still happens today, there's often this idea when something horrific happens to someone else or to someplace else, it's easy to get this idea of, well, maybe God was passing judgment on them. Maybe this was because of their sins that this terrible thing happened to them. And Jesus says, do you think that those Galileans, that that horrible thing happened to them, do you think that was because of their sin? Do you think that was because they were worse sinners than the rest of the Galileans? And he says, no, that's not it. And you're missing the point. If you're thinking of a tragic thing that happens and your thought is, well, that's because they were really bad. Uh, And that didn't happen to me because I'm not as bad. Uh, That must have been God's judgment against them. He's like, if you're thinking of it in that terms, you're missing it. When tragedy strikes, it should be a reminder that it's a time to turn back to God, to cling to God. And so then he uses uh, the reference to the tower falling and killing 18 individuals. Again, another historical event that we don't know anything about other than this, that 18 people died in this accident. And again, the point is, the tragedy that took place is not to cause you to think that those people must have been really bad sinners. The tragedy was there as a way for you to say, I'm a sinner, and I have no idea when my life will come to an end. And he's also told us, remember last week, that he may return at any moment. And so with that being the case, the time for repentance is now. Don't miss the signs. It is time to repent. It's time to turn back to God. The book of Romans... We are reminded of this. Now, our problem is, even as believers, we, we do categorize things often uh, and think, well, I'm not, I'm not that bad, right, compared to some. But it's important for us to remember this. Romans 3:23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We all deserve, every one of us, the wrath of God. We deserve the punishment from God because of our rebellion against Him. But Christ came into this world to call people to repent, to call people to turn back to God. 
And so we saw this back in uh, earlier in Luke when we were walking through this. Remember, uh, one of the criticisms that they had about Jesus was he ate with tax collectors and sinners. Look at the people that Jesus eats with. He hangs around those people. He's friends with those people. And Jesus' reply in Luke 5 was, These are the people that I came for. Luke 5 and verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've come for sinners. I've come so that sinners can be warned and can, can be told, turn back to God now before it's too late. Repentance is vital for each one of us. First and foremost, if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, that's the first thing, is to recognize, I, I've done things that God does not want me to do. I don't live like God has called me to. And to repent from that is to say, I, I'm not going to live this way anymore without a Savior. And it's to turn to Jesus and believe in Him and receive the forgiveness that's available through Him. As followers of Jesus, of course, our life should still be marked with repentance because we still sin. We all are sinners. Martin Luther says, when Christ called us to repent, He willed that the entire life of believers would be one of repentance. We should constantly be assessing our lives, examining our lives, and when we realize I'm, I'm walking in a way that God does not desire me to, then we should repent from that and turn back to Jesus. So today, let's examine ourselves. First and foremost, have I ever turned from sin and received forgiveness from Jesus? And if not, today's the day. And church... Assess, God, are there, are there things in my life? Are there areas of disobedience and sin that I'm still walking in? And the answer is yes. For all of us. And if so, let's repent from those and keep clinging to Jesus. The third thing that we will see in this text is Jesus calls us to bear fruit. Jesus calls us to bear fruit. There should be fruit in our lives. A changed life, there should be the fruit of good works that God desires for His people. If we have believed in Jesus, if we've repented from our sins, then our lives should be ones that bear fruit for God. And that's what Jesus calls us to in these last four verses. Luke 13 6 through 9. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, Listen, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste the soil? He replied to him, Sir, leave it this year also. Until I dig around it and fertilize it, perhaps it will produce fruit next year. 
But if not, you can cut it down. Jesus uses this parable, and it is a parable directed at the nation of Israel. The fig tree is a representation of Israel and its lack of coming to Christ and accepting Christ as the promised Messiah. But it has application for every believer that God has an expectation of fruit in our lives. And it has an application for every church. And so Jesus uses this parable. The man representing God has this fig tree that is not producing any fruit. Year after year after year, refusing to do what it is that it should be doing. And the man tells the vineyard worker, Enough's enough. It's time, to, it's time for destruction. It's time to cut it down. This is not going to do what it should do. And so that is pointed at the nation. The nation continued to reject their Savior. Continued to reject God. And judgment was coming. But in 8 and 9, really throughout all four of these verses, we also are reminded of the patience of God. Right? This was not a, all right, they didn't do exactly what I wanted, when I wanted it, they're done with. Year after year, there was a constant rejection of God. There was a constant refusal to live like God wanted them to live. And then in 8 and 9, the vineyard worker says, give them, give them a little more time. Give it a little more time. Maybe next year the tree is going to produce fruit. But one day, judgment will come. The, God's patience won't last forever, but He is a patient God. Peter talks about that. Like, we should realize that the patience of God is because He does not want any to perish. But one day, if there's a constant refusal to turn to Christ, there will be judgment. And Jesus is saying there should be the fruit of repentance, the fruit of a changed life for people who have come to me. Ephesians 2 reminds us that for those who have been saved, there are things that God desires us to do. There are things that God has planned for us to do. Good works. And so Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The good works produce the fruit that God is talking about, what Christ is calling His followers to. So if we have trusted in God, if we have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, then that life should produce things faithfulness to our God. We aren't saved by those things, but we are saved to them, right? 
We've been saved by God's grace, but he wants us to do the good works that he has planned for us. And then, of course, we have the really good news that what God wants to have in our lives, God is producing in our lives through the power of the Spirit. So we see in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 25, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. All believers, everyone who has trusted in Christ has received the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit works in us to produce the things that God desires from us. The Spirit is the one that makes us into a loving people, a patient people, a people of self-control. The Spirit will produce those things in us as we continue to submit to the Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit lead us, to let the Holy Spirit guide us in the way that God wants us to live. He will produce those things that God desires. So as followers of Jesus, let's pursue changed lives. Let's live a life of faith and obedience to Jesus that's full of the good works that He desires from us because He's worthy of our faithfulness. And so let's ask God this week, show me the works that You have for me. Show me the works that You prepared for me. And give me the strength to do what it is you're calling me to do so that we can honor Jesus with our lives. Jesus told the people that it's time for a response. And that message applies for us today. And if you need to decide to follow Jesus and receive the forgiveness of sins, today's the day for that. Don't wait any longer. The warning has been given. Yes, God is patient, but there will come a day that you will not be able to receive the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has made available to you. And so if you'd like to know more about trusting in Jesus, uh, if you'd like to know more about what Christ accomplished for you by dying for your sins, I'd love to be able to talk to you about that. Uh, You can fill out one of the yellow response cards and either hand it to me on your way out or drop it in the offering box at the back and... Uh, We'll schedule a meeting to talk. And church, we must continue to decide to follow Jesus daily and serve Him faithfully daily. We must turn from our lives of sin, be a people that's constantly turning from our sins and back to our Savior, and be a people that's living faithfully, serving faithfully the Savior who's rescued us from our sins. He's worth it and He's working in us to produce what He desires. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love. Thank You for Your patience. Thank You for Your warning from Your Word.
Help us, God. Help us cling to the Savior that we've been given. Remind us often of the forgiveness that's available. And if there's any here today who have never received that, stir in their hearts the desire to learn more about the good news of the gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you have a child in the nursery, we would ask that you pick them up now and bring them back in. We do believe it's important for uh, our nursery workers to be able to be a part of our communion service. Uh, and if you, when you were coming in, did not pick up the communion elements, we have some on the back table. Uh, if you would please pick these up, we invite all believers who have trusted in Jesus for salvation to take this remembrance with us. And so if you have not picked up the communion elements, you can pick them up now at the back table. But I'm going to have Nathan just play just quietly for us for a couple of minutes as a, as a time for reflection and a time to allow our, our nursery uh, to get back in here. But this is a time for us to kind of prepare our hearts, right? We're in taking communion. We're being reminded of what Jesus has done for us, the sacrifice that was made for the forgiveness of our sins. And so it's important for us to uh, spend a moment contemplating that, spend some time praying about that, thanking God for the sacrifice that was made so we can be forgiven. Uh, and then in a couple of minutes, we will... Uh, we'll take the elements together.
on the night that Jesus was betrayed before he went to the cross to die for our sins, he sat around the table with his disciples and took the Passover meal together with them. And at that meal, he instituted communion for the church or uh, the Lord's Supper for the church uh, and instructed his followers to, to use that for every time that they, they did this together as a way to remember him, remember what he had done for them. And so we take this for the purpose of remembering our Savior. And so as we take the bread and the juice, it's a, it's a reminder that Jesus' body was given for us. It was Jesus' blood that was shed so that our sins could be forgiven. And we need that reminder constantly because we are all sinners. And we all deserve the judgment from God because of our sins. But our Savior rescued us from that. Laid down His life for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be saved, so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters of God. Out of the riches of God's love, He poured out grace and mercy on us through faith in Jesus. We take communion together as a church to remember Jesus. In Matthew, we see these words that record that night and the first Lord's Supper. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. Eat it. This is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So taking your bread. This is the body of Christ given for you. And taking your cup. This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Praise God. I will pray for us as the worship team comes up to lead us in our final song of worship. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice. Holy Spirit, thank you for opening our eyes. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand for our last song. Be thou my patient, O Lord.
If you are able, please remain standing for our final benediction. Uh, Just as a reminder, uh, if you've been here for a while, you've heard us talk about this, but if you're newer, you may, during benedictions, you may see some of us holding out our hands. This is not a requirement, but just a posture of receiving the blessing from God's Word. So we invite you, if you feel comfortable with that, uh, you can hold out your hands. This is a blessing from God's Word for each one of us. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16, May the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Have a blessed week.